Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in on a Monday morning. What happened in Game 6? What's going to happen in Game 7? The Jazz, who just seemed like they were in total control, right? They're up three games to one. The one they game lost was the first one. And they had the ball in the lead. And they're in the final couple of minutes. And there's an eight-second violation in the backcourt. Ah, totally winnable game got away. Dominated two and three, won a close one and four, and blew a 15-point lead in game five. In game six, if I went with one word, I'd say disjointed. And, of course, that would be... In Quinn's lingo, uh, we weren't connected. Guys doing their own thing. You know, it's, I, I hate the cliche, we wanted it more. But if you were watching that game, who wanted it more? Who was dialed in? Who was energetic? It was the Nuggets, the Nuggets, the Nuggets. They were winning 50-50 balls. The guys were talking about that on the uh, broadcast uh, bowler on the last game of the year with Matt Harper and Big T because ABC is going to have a <clears throat> over-the-air national TV on Tuesday night for Game 7. Um, and I thought they were right. You know, It was just disjointed, disconnected. Uh, guys weren't making shots. But, but also, guys, it didn't feel like they were playing with any, Quinn would say this, any force. There was no force. You know, they didn't they didn't make it hard for the Nuggets to get their spots. I mean, Jokic just dribbling into a wide-open three in the fourth quarter. Rudy getting hung up. And, yeah, it was probably a legal screen. But also wasn't that hard a screen. It just kind of getting ridden out of the play. It was just, this is bad basketball, you know. There were brief periods where they seemed dialed in at the start of the game and coming out of the locker room at halftime. You know, at the start of the game, they were dialed in. They were up 36-30 after one quarter. And for all their issues... Um, they got back within a point, was it like 77-76 with about three minutes to go in the third quarter. And you're like, okay, you had a flat spot, you didn't play well, but everybody has runs and you're close. And Denver just pushed it right back to double digits. End of the third, early fourth was all nuggets. And the Jazz never really made a run late, never really had a chance. Now Donovan Mitchell goes for 44, he's filling it up. In his 44, he's really... Um, He's really, his scoring average should be higher in this series because he had a 20-point game in a blot. He didn't play in the fourth quarter. So, <laughs> he's been amazing. But Jamal Murray, he's had two 50-point games in the series, just like Donovan's had two 50-point games in this series. And it's been like 50, 42, 50 the last three games for Murray. Murray was out of it in games two and three. I don't know what the deal was, and he was lost, and then it gets got blown out. But, man, since then, the Jazz have not been able to defend the guy. Not even a little bit. Jokic had 22. It's all right to just think. But this was this was about Murray. you know, And, and that could be bad. Maybe they'll and egg it. Maybe Murray, after three massive games, will cool off and Jokic will heat up. I, I don't know what to tell you, but it, it feels like momentum. Big Mo! Definitely on the Nuggets side. All right, we've got uh, the best of the postgame show coming up um, in a couple of segments. But coming up next, talk BYU football. Today, we are one week away from the season opener. You're going to hear from uh, assistant coach Fessy Sataki. going to hear from Troy Warner. That's coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. One week from today... It's BYU and Navy. Primetime ESPN, the Monday Night Football slot, 6 o'clock Mountain Time kickoff. Fabulous. Uh, and I know some of you are worried the games will be canceled, and maybe they will at some point, but we're now a week away from the opener. And the thing about the Army and Navy game, they can literally lock down the campuses. You know, these, just, these aren't normal college campuses. They're military academies. They, they can actually order people to do stuff, right? You can't order a frat at a random SEC school to do anything. Army and Navy, it's a little different. All right, let's hear now from the Cougars. Let's start with Troy Warner. You're a week and a half out. Let's talk about uh, the defensive backfield and uh, getting ready to, to face off against Navy. What? Uh, how are things going for you guys? Uh, yeah, it's going it's going really well right now. Um, uh, as you might have heard, we've got a really talented uh, backfield uh, this year and a lot of guys who are very capable. Um, I think the biggest emphasis uh, on Navy has just really been discipline and making sure we're playing, playing clean and uh, limiting uh, any mistakes and whatnot So in practice. So we're, we've, been, uh, we've been doing a pretty good job of that so far. The other question I wanted to ask you, Troy, is, is what's been the impact on the team? A lot of the pro teams right now have taken some steps and are, are really frustrated with the latest national situation with race relations, police relations, things like that. What's been the impact for the team, for your friends, and as you guys have, have seen that and felt that and, and the emotions you guys have been dealing with with regards to, to that situation? Yeah, I think I think uh, the team right now is just focusing on on Navy. Um, you know, there's that that's kind of something that we just you know like to pride ourselves on is when, when we're here, when we're in the facilities, we like to just keep our main focus um, on, on what's at hand. And right now, that's Navy, and that's the biggest thing that we ever focus on. So, hey Troy, following up on that, was there any talk at all of of maybe taking the day off today from practice, talking about that situation more? I noticed around the country a few teams did that, Boston College and others. Was that ever brought up this morning at all? Uh no, that wasn't that wasn't brought up at all. We uh we just had the mindset to come to, to come to practice today, uh, grind and, and get ready for Navy. So that was that's all that's all that's on our mind right now. And then just tell me about kind of the safety situation. Are you playing there or there was a report maybe you had tried out a little bit at corner again? Kind of what's your role? so far in camp um so my role is really just do it all wherever wherever the team needs me right now i'm a versatile player and uh can do a lot of things uh my, my biggest thing right now is just to to prove to the coaches uh that i'm capable of uh, playing at both spots so wherever they need me to play for this game i'm gonna play and uh, uh and do it at a high level so um yeah i'm just i'm just focused on on getting both positions down right now I've got questions for you, Troy. So <laughs> talk about the importance of eye control for this game because they try, Navy tries so hard in this offense to get you looking the wrong way, going the wrong way, and take advantage of that. How, how, how big is it to, to keep your focus and, and keep that eye control? 
uh, it's huge. It, it makes or break a game at some points and sometimes. And uh, that's why Navy is so widely respected is because they are very disciplined. Uh, they, they get you going downhill and uh, try and lure you to sleep. And as soon as they catch you, uh, catch you slipping, they try to take you over top. So uh, eye discipline is going to be huge for each player on this defense. And uh, like I said, in practice, that's all we're focusing on right now is just to be super disciplined, uh, limit the air, mental errors and uh, play fast, really. So um, it's going to be a good game. Excited. Yeah, Troy, uh, what's the, the leadership committee or council decided on team captains for this year? Um, uh, I don't know the answer to that one right now. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of leaders on this team, a lot of guys who uh, uh, like to be at the forefront and be uh, vocal and, and lead by example. And, and that's one of the best, best parts of this team. Uh, the more leaders that you have on a team, the better that that team is going to perform and play and, and be uh, good on and off the field. Uh, so it's a really good position to be in. Um, and uh, as far as your question, though, I, I don't know the details of it right now. We kind of just, we, we kind of just focus on uh, keeping each other accountable and uh, doing controlling what we can control. And with about, you know, 10 or so days till kickoff, when do you guys start beginning maybe the testing to get ready for this game and make sure you're cleared and ready to go? Uh, yeah, so we've already begin, uh, begun testing. Uh, we, we test about three times a week and, uh, uh, we're, we, we've been doing, we've been real diligent about it and, and, uh, just trying to do our part and, and staying healthy for the season. Uh, we're very, very lucky to be playing this year. And obviously we don't do anything that jeopardizes that season, uh, for us. So we've, we've been doing everything we can, including wearing masks whenever and, uh, doing what we got to in order to play. So thanks, Trey. Yes, sir. Go ahead, Jay. Troy, speaking of that, yesterday they announced two more games. It's up to eight games. What's the optimal number of games that you would like to play? How, how many would you like to see BYU add this year? I mean, obviously, uh, we want to play as many games as we can. Uh, so if we could play a 12-game 12, a 12 season, that would be awesome. Uh, but right now it's eight games, and those, those eight games are, are, are our main focus right now, uh, starting with Navy. So that's kind of something that um, none of us can really control right now except for, you know, the outside outside guys that control uh, scheduling us. And um, so us as players right now, we just, we just focus on what we can, and uh, uh, that right now that's Navy. So – Corey talked about the safeties a little bit. I wanted to ask about the cornerbacks because I know you've probably done some stuff with them as well. And and I imagine that between injuries and inexperience and some of the struggles from last year that that group probably had a little chip on their shoulder coming into camp. What type of progress have you seen from the cornerbacks? Yeah, uh, like you said, a huge chip on their shoulders. Um, you know, one thing that I've really noticed about this group is uh, they just compete. Um, and, and that's just that's something that's been consistent all throughout fall camp. Um, short term memory, you know, if, if they if they get a play or uh, they get something caught on them, it's on to the next play. And it's a, every guy is, is wanting to just compete and uh, uh, give the best look and, and play at the highest level that they can. Uh, and that's something that's really important in, in a, a group of cornerbacks. Zane Anderson's kind of an intriguing part of this defense, just having played linebacker. He seems to be playing everywhere. How, how great is it to have his presence back uh, as a fully healthy part of the defense? And where do you see him helping most? 
Yeah, Zane, obviously, a, a lot of people know he's a he's a big-time player um, and, and a veteran with a lot of game experience. And uh, just like me, he's a guy who can play a ton of positions, and he, he'll, he'll play wherever wherever's needed. Um, uh, and so I think uh, we'll, we'll see a, a lot of him at, at safety, um, but that could change. So he, he's a big-time player, and uh, he's been looking really good uh, this fall camp, and, and I expect him to do really good things this season. Troy, the NCAA has declared that no matter how many games you guys may play this fall, it's essentially a free year for you. And obviously, you're going into your senior season. Looking ahead, does that affect you in any ways you prepare for the season, or do you care one way or the other? Uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't even like looking that far ahead. Uh, I like to just kind of live in the present right now. Um, my mentality is just you know, to play, to play as high of a level as I can this year. Um, you know, I've been, I've been grinding my tail off all off season and, uh, feel, feel really good about, about this season. So my main, my main, uh, focus right now is this season and then we'll take care of all that other stuff later. So right now, uh, just focus on now. I think Kyle's worried. I'm, I'm taking up too much of your time, Troy, but uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask what your conversations have been like with your brother, because he's trying to get ready at the, you know, a different level. You're trying to get ready at the college level. What's, what's that been like? Cause you guys have both gone through this crazy pandemic time. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing that we've talked about is just really controlling what you can control. Um, that's been a huge emphasis. Uh, we can't control, I can't control, you know, what goes on goes on on the outside uh, but what I can control is my preparation um, what I'm doing off the field and on the field uh, to ensure that, I'm, that I get the best season out of myself and, and and that I can help my team in any way possible um, you know he's he's been a huge help to me uh, this past off season uh, mentally uh, and just just with building my confidence and uh, preparing me preparing myself for for what's to come and uh, real, real excited real thankful for him and uh, you know like and on his end as well, he's trying to improve on a huge year that he just had. Um, so, you know, you've, you've already seen a few things that he's been able to do in his in his fall camp and what he he's expected to do in the season. And, uh, you know, it all starts with, with confidence. There is Troy Warner with the media. Now let's listen to BYU assistant coach Fessy Sataki. Fessy, we were just talking to Troy. I don't know if you were there when he was talking about, you know, kind of the attitude of the team. I know that uh, the social issues, again, have been become headliners across the board. And Troy was just saying that the team's really locked in on Navy and, and maybe not gotten tried to avoid getting distracted or paying attention to other things. What have you seen and how big is it to, to have a team focused like these guys are right now? Yeah, I think it's it's critical during these times. And I, I, I echo what Troy said about the focus being on Navy, but I also think there's a message that you can, you can be focused on a task at hand and still honor and respect, you know, some things that are going on right now. And, and I think that's kind of the message to a lot of our guys right now is we're, we're prepping for Navy, but we understand there are very, very serious issues that, you know, people, you know, are standing up against and, and we support whatever, um, you know, our guys individually feel um, because it's, it's uh, you know, there's a real sensitive times right now, but we also have a game um, with Navy coming up. And, and I think there's definitely um, an ability to balance, you know, those two things. And I think our team's done um, tremendous with that stuff. Coach, everyone's interested in the new guys. Can you give us an update on maybe Chris Jackson and Cody Epps, how they're looking and what we can maybe expect from them this coming year? Yeah, they've both been, um, 
they've both been a very, very pleasant sight this camp. You know, they, they've uh, done what kind of we expected and we're hopeful for. Um, Chris has done a great job at, at coming in, picking up the offense, bringing some, um, you know, some re- some real toughness to this group. You know, he's he's a, you know, a lot of people love his story and I think you can when you watch him play you can see um, that mentality you can see that back up against the wall you know fighting for everything mentality and and I think it's really elevated the mental toughness of our group Um, Cody's awesome in, in terms of just his football savviness he's he's come in and he's picked the playbook up um knows the position like a guy who's who's been playing for for several years several years and so that's a big credit to him his work ethic the people who have you know mentored and helped him you know along this way and so they've they've been um you know great for me and uh being in the room uh and then just the other two two newcomers miles davis um you know, is such a talent, and um, I'm really excited for his ceiling, what he can do. And Terrence Falls the same. You know, unfortunately, he battled uh, uh, an early injury that wasn't severe, but it kept him out long enough that he wasn't able to, you know, get all the reps that a, a lot of the other newcomers were. Um, but in the short time he's been back with us, he's definitely showcased his ability and has, has gotten a lot of guys excited for what he can do. So really happy for all four new guys and, and you know, what they've the addition they've been to our room. Yeah, Fessy, I'm just curious. I know you're focused on your receiver room and making sure they're ready for the Navy game, but I'm just curious, like, what do you make of the stage and the opportunity this BYU program and Navy as well just has to be a featured game, national TV, Labor Day night? Just what do you make of the upcoming setting that this program's going to have? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Man, everyone knows this year has been, it's, it's been crazy to say the least. Just, um, it's been a giant tug of war of emotions for many people, rightfully so. And, and just wherever you stand on anything, it will, to me, it will just be a nice sigh of relief to just get out onto the field and play a football game and have some fun. Um, do it in a classy way, sportsmanship with, you know, an unbelievable team, you know, the, the Naval Academy, like what a great opportunity for us and a good reminder about um you know what we have in this this country and and the the freedoms we're able to enjoy and so so to play a team like that to go toe-to-toe with them to open it up on labor day it's just it's it's a great it's a great storyline and we're super excited for it as far as kind of the preparation and like the normal game week where are you guys are you for instance are you on a monday or a tuesday as far as approaching as if the game were saturday yeah, roughly. Um, and I, I, us offensively, um, we're probably on a like a Tuesday and hoping to repeat a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday coming up and then repeat that again next week. So so I would say we're, we're trying to just duplicate a three day uh, prep week that we would normally have. Um, and so obviously we've had a lot more time than we would in the season to study these guys. And so mentally, I feel, you know, we're definitely a little more prepared and, and our level of comfort's there um, just because of the time we've had. But it, yeah, in terms of where we're at at the camp, I would say that we're on, we're on about our, our first Tuesday um, in terms of regular practice season. See, I wanted to ask about the coaching staff because this year coming in, you guys felt some pressure just as far as taking a, a step forward and then all of the pressures that have surrounded, you know, the, the unique circumstances and everything. I imagine that's probably put some strain on the staff as a whole, but there's also that gratitude that you've mentioned before about just being able to go out and be playing football. What's it been like seeing the coaching staff deal with both the pressures and, and the gratitude side? Yeah, it's... um. 
you know, I think, I think if you don't feel any pressure in this profession, then you're not in a good place. Um, so I think, I think pressure is, is just, just how you handle it. Some people, uh, apply pressure and they relate that to fear that they're going to lose their job. Um, our pressure, I think, you know, is blocking out the noise and the pressure is we want this for these guys. We want these for, for our, for our kids, for these players. They work so hard. Um, they're such great, great young men. And we got to do our part as coaches to help them accomplish their goals. And so I think that's, that's where the pressure comes from and and um you know I, I think the players are applying the right type of pressure to themselves too and when you do that it allows you to look at some of those other things you mentioned to appreciate you know the luxury we have of being able to practice and play football and and all, have all the opportunities we have so i think those two go hand in hand with each other and i think our coaching staff and our players have have handled it uh, tremendously yeah fessy uh handling you know looking at your personnel in your wide receiver room with the ncaa's rule to basically make this year where eligibility, the clock doesn't just kind of pauses this year. Does that factor into how you piece together the depth chart for your receivers, knowing that everyone kind of stays status quo with their current eligibility status? Um, it, it could, but for my room, really, it, it doesn't. I think everyone's kind of in a position right now where I would, I'm going to play guys and prep them as if, if, if that wasn't on the table. And we'll kind of let that. It's nice to know that's out there. We'll let it take care of itself, but it won't affect any of the decisions I make with my group. Is there value to you to having go-to guys uh, at, at wide receiver, guys who can have 1,000-yard seasons, 100-catch seasons, having that kind of player on a team? Yeah, I think that's critical. I really do. Um, um, to be able to, you know, it's, I know the last couple of years, it's, it's, it's been hard to have a real featured guy that, that they haven't been able to surface. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a part of that as, as much as anything. And, you know, you got a guy like Matt Bushman, who's, who's kind of a feature go-to guy. Um, I think at the wideout position, uh, it's critical to have one of those guys. And if it, if it ends up happening, Great. We want that to happen. Um, but you look at the past BYU offenses, you know, that have been really successful. They've, they've had that, whether it's the Collies, the Hoffmans, you know, I, I just think, I think we have personnel in our group to do so many different things. But I think, I think uh, if a guy were to, you know, kind of break out and, and be that impact guy, um, I, I think that's a, a great problem to have to find out who that's going to be. But I think it's healthy for an offense to, to have a guy like that. There's BYU assistant coach Fessy Sataki. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. All right, show of hands. Who wants a Game 7? Yeah, Donovan Mitchell doesn't. And he's about to make that. Very clear. Very, very clear. Here's the best of the postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz fall in game six of their best of seven playoff series against the Denver Nuggets, 119 to 107. Game seven now will be tomorrow night from the bubble in Orlando. Tip-off will be at 6.30. Pre-game starts at 5.30. It was Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell going head-to-head in the fourth quarter. Jamal Murray finishing the game with 50 points for the Nuggets on 17 of 24 shooting. Donovan Mitchell 
Fletcher with 44 on 14 of 25 shooting. But the Denver Nuggets uh, come away with the win. Let's get you some postgame sound. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. All right, we'll go ahead and get started with the first question from Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Coach, uh, you had that strong first quarter, but then uh, no answer for Denver's offense. Murray, what more can be done there to get the ball out of his hands? Well, you know, last game he got to the rim and, uh, you know, we, we wanted to take that away. Um, you know, other than, than, than trapping him, you know, we're trying to make him hit contested shots and he's doing that. There were times in the game when we did try to trap him or hit him and get the ball out of his hands. But he, he's playing terrific basketball. We've got to do a better job on him. We have a game seven, an opportunity to, to do that. That. But he's been terrific. You know, he's he's shooting like 55% from three off the dribble. Um, I don't know what, you know, he's, I think he was nine of 12 tonight. And I don't know how many of those are off the dribble versus catch and shoots. But, um, you know, the way he's playing right now, he's going to he's going to make some shots. Um, there's other situations that we've got to take away. Um, and our discipline defensively you know, has to be there um, because if we give up anything easy, um, particularly to him, you know, there's too many other situations that he's very difficult to defend. Okay, next question. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, it looked like the offensive, uh, kind of the blender broke down to this game. And in particular, there was a lot of ISO happening in, in the second half. What do you guys need to do to get that going again? Because And, and why was it as kind of my turn and your turn as, as it was tonight? I don't know that it was – See, you know, specifically like the thought process being, you know, his turn, my turn. I think the way that we came out, you know, to your point, um, you know, a lot of our early baskets, the ball moves, um, you know, we got some good looks. I think as the game progressed, um, our decisions weren't as quick, whether that meant, you know, if you've got a short window to shoot the ball, you need to shoot it, um, pass it or drive it. And, you know, their length, I think, um, their size makes some of those reads different. Difficult, but we've got to be more determined, you know, to, to, to attack quickly and make quick decisions uh, in order to get our advantage. And I, I think the other thing is when, when we're not getting stops defensively, um, you know, the floor is a lot smaller because of their size. And, you know, that was something that we've been able to do is to get out of transition and get looks that way. Um, so when that dries up and the ball starts to stop, I think some of those situations you're talking about, um, you may have an advantage. But that doesn't mean your advantage necessarily leads to your shot um, or to your, your play at the rim or, or jumper. Um, we've got we've to trust each other and drive the ball and sometimes drive it to pass just to get a little bit of an advantage and then, you know, continue to build that advantage through a possession. Next question, Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Quinn, as these series move on and now you're in a final game, does it get harder to make adjustments or does it – get easier to make more kind of specific adjustments because the teams know each other so well. I don't know if, if it's harder or easier as much as it is, as you said, that, you know, as teams begin to know each other, certainly there's things that um, are significant that you see, you know, that, that we, we've seen that on both teams um, in those situations with two players that you know, are having spectacular series on both sides offensively. So there's obviously things that, that you can do and we need to do and will do. Um, and at the same time, you know, I think maybe the most important thing right 
right now is for us to be able to kind of bounce back emotionally um, and refocus for game seven and execute in those situations but, but a lot of others there was some things that I think we were doing better um, or more consistently I should say um, a few games ago and, and we haven't seen you know our level um, at the at the place where it needs to be on the defensive end Sarah Todd Deseret News Quinn, what do you see as the reason for Rudy not being as involved in the offense tonight? Well, I don't know that offense is, you know, adapts to how how people are playing you, um, and who you're playing against. And in many instances, you know, there's certain things they're trying to take away. And I think for us to be able to move the ball quickly, as I said, Rudy, in, in addition to a lot of, you know, other guys in the quarter are going to be on the back end of those possessions. And, you know, I thought Rudy did a good job early in the game. Um, you know, guys were creating opportunities for our team and he was, you know, he was involved in that as well so as much as anything you know whether it's we, we, we can't obsess about any one guy's opportunities and situations it's a collective effort and when Rudy has uh, nights where he gets a lot of shots and scores um, it's usually when the ball is moving and we're breaking the defense down um, and he's spaced in a way where he can make it difficult for them to help off him and have to make a decision so we've got to do a better job on that um, and that will help Rudy get an opportunity to be even more effective okay last Last question will be from Tony Jones, The Athletic. Coach, did you guys miss an opportunity? I thought you guys played a really, really good first quarter. Did you guys miss an opportunity being up six as opposed to being up 12 to 15? Um, you know, we had some free throws we missed early. Uh, I think those things do have an impact, but I don't think that, you know, after that first part of the first quarter, um, you know, we weren't on the level we needed to be, and there was a lot of game left. So, um, you know, regardless of, of what that looks like as far as your lead, you know, if it's a little larger lead, we still have to sustain um, the way we were playing. And that was the biggest issue um, that we, we, we played better at the beginning of the game and we played better in certain situations and we have to sustain that um, throughout the game with different lineups and um, you know different things that are happening on the court on both ends thank you coach that was Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder after the Nuggets beat the Jazz last night 119 to 107 from the bubble in Orlando. Let's now uh, get Denver Nuggets head coach Mike Malone. We'll begin with uh, Mike Singer. Mike go ahead Hey, Michael, um, before the game, you talked about uh, the need to compartmentalize your emotions. We obviously know that that's one of Jamal's greatest strengths. Is that what you attribute to the game that we saw? And from a bigger perspective, the last three games that we've seen from him? Yeah, I mean, what, what Jamal's done the last three games is, is unbelievable. You know, I've been blessed to have been around some great players uh, in this game, LeBron, uh, CP, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Uh, but I've never seen a guy go 50, 42, and 50. Um, and, and two of those games being elimination games. So talk about a young man putting a team on his back and that will to win. Uh, to do whatever is necessary to find a way to get the win uh, is tremendous. And to do it after this, you know, we haven't played since Tuesday. 
and to do with everything that's taken place in the last three, four days, all the emotions, all the raw emotion makes it that much more impressive. So uh, I, I'm running out of things and superlatives for Jamal Murray. Uh, I just want to say I'm proud of him. What he did tonight was uh, amazing. And obviously we're not done yet. Uh, we have one more game. We want to be the 12th team to really come from a 3-1 deficit and win a series. All right, next we'll go to Om Young Maisuk with ESPN. Om, go ahead. Hey, Michael. Um, Jamal, in this post-game interview, got really emotional talking about what it meant to him to play this way with the shoes that he was wearing. And then uh, as he walked back to the locker room, kind of had to, like, take a moment, kneel down to kind of collect himself. How emotional have these last few days been for Jamal? What have you seen in him over the last few days? Well, I would say, Om, that everything – uh, that came out of Jamal after this game says it all. Uh, we've been through the ringer. Um, we've only had to rely on each other for these last 55 days. The last three, four days, even that much more important to do so, to lean on each other as a family. Uh, but when Jamal Murray can can come up with that will to win like he did tonight, and then I think take a step back and think, Yes, we're here to play basketball. Yes, we're here to win games. But we're also here to use our platform in a positive manner. And uh, this is something that Jamal has taken on very deeply. And uh, I think his emotions are a result of that. You know, this is a, an exhausting game. This has been an exhausting experience being down here. And uh, Jamal's mental toughness, uh, I think, is, you know, I don't know many men mentally tougher kids than Jamal Murray, what he's doing right now on the stage with, with everything happening around the world. So, yeah, he's emotional and he should be. All right, next we'll go to Kendra Andrews. Kendra, go ahead. Coach, I mean, Jamal's been the the second leader on this team all season, but is what we've seen from him in this playoff series kind of like that proof in the pudding of just how much of a leader he is on this team and what he means to this team? Um, you know, the scoring is off the charts, but I saw it last year. You know, I mean, Jamal Murray saved the playoffs last year. You know, we lose to San Antonio in game one, and we're down in that game two at home. Go, getting ready to go to San Antonio down 2-0, and San Antonio is a place that Denver had not won in, in over a decade. And he single-handedly saved that playoff series. So um, I expect greatness from Jamal Murray. He expects greatness from himself. He's trained for this uh, mentally and physically, and now he's just putting it all together. Um, so I, I can't say I'm – really surprised because I've seen this type of greatness, not to the 50, 42, and 50 level, but you know, uh, you know Jamal wants it. And, and the best thing about this is this is where you make a name for yourself. And, and he is, I mean, if you're not a fan of this series, watching Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray going at it, two guys that have 50-point games in one series, when's the last time that happened? Uh, game seven is going to be unbelievable. Can't wait for it. And uh, just really proud of our guys. I thought we got great contributions from a lot of guys tonight. Mason Plumley comes into the game when Nicole Jokic gets in foul trouble. His energy was amazing. He helped us take a lead with, uh, with, with his effort. I thought Tory Craig and Gary Harris, their defense on Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson was tremendous. And it's great to have Gary Harris back. So, yes, Jamal had 50, but this was a team win. Nicole Jokic is still uh, a great player and helped win, uh, win this game as well. So, as much as we want to talk about Jamal, I want to make sure that we talk about the rest of our guys because we don't do this without everybody that's suited up tonight. All right, next we'll go to Joe Varden, who's in attendance there. Joe, go ahead. 
I think I have a couple. Um, have you ever been down to Fremont before? I can't remember. I can't remember. You know, I know uh, really fortunate in Cleveland, we were pretty good team. I don't ever remember being down three to one, but you know, I think we said it after we won first game, Joe, that don't get too high. And after the two blowouts in games two and three, don't get too low. Let's stay with it. Stay with us. And now we put ourselves in a position for another game seven. We had two last year. Right, we, we were able to beat San Antonio in a game seven at home, and obviously we lost uh, game seven against Portland in the Western Conference semis. So our guys know what a game seven is like, and I think we can draw from that experience. So um, in this bubble where it seems like almost anything can happen, is, is there some sort of a sense of like, why not? Why not come, come from three one down in a bubble if you're going to do it? Yeah, well, one thing I told our guys is I went back and looked at our season schedule and our results. Uh, we had a seven-game winning streak this year. We had a six-game winning streak this year. We had two four-game winning streaks. And, oh, by the way, we had beaten this uh, Utah Jazz three times this year. So like, we, we didn't look at it as, uh, you know, a mission impossible. We talked about taking it one game at a time, and uh, and that's what we've done. But now we're in a position uh, to, to try to win a game seven in advance. And that's what this whole thing is about, surviving in advance by any means necessary. And my last one, if it's, if it's okay. Um, you said on Friday that that was like the worst practice you'd ever seen, or something, something like that. Could you have imagined then that you'd see what you saw tonight? Yeah, I, it wasn't unimaginable because I totally understood, like when I say it was our worst practice, I knew why it was our worst practice. Yeah, you know I mean, like that's just being in tune with your your players, being in tune with reality, what everybody was dealing with. Uh, and that day, I think the last place we all wanted to be was in that gym. But we got through it, you know, and we got through it. We got through it together. And I challenged them, and and, and not to my surprise, we came back the following day on Saturday and had a much better practice and a much better shoot around this morning. So I could tell the energy and the positive energy was where it needed to be to go into this game. And uh, again, uh, hell of a win for us, but we have more work to do. All right, Coach, that'll do it. We appreciate it. Thank you. There you go. That's Nuggets head coach Mike Malone as his team came out on top, forcing a Game 7 in their playoff series with the Utah Jazz. Let's let you hear from uh, some players. Let's start with Jazz uh, Donovan Mitchell. All right, we'll uh, start with our first question. Today will be Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Donovan. So, um, obviously, Jamal has been pretty unstoppable this whole series, but Tonight, you know, Denver as a whole shot 55% from the field, 50% from three. Uh, what's going wrong defensively for you guys? What can you do to kind of slow them down? Um, I think the biggest thing, like you said, you said to yourself, um, you know, Jamal had his 50, um, but, you know, he made passes and guys knocked down shots. When we got to be aggressive on, on the defensive end, we, they kind of feel too comfortable. Even when we turned it up at that point as a scorer, he's going to get going. Um, but there are times, you know, credit to, to Jeremy Grant, that he went 18 to 20. That's a big boost for him, you know. Um, just got to respond. I really don't have much else to say right now, to be honest with you. Okay, next question, Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Donovan, it seemed like when you guys left the court and then also right now that this was kind of the most down that you've been throughout the whole series. What's the reason for that? Um, um, we're just pissed off because that was a winnable game. Um, no one's down at all. We got one more game. You know, if we're down now, then we've already lost game seven. I don't think anybody's down. I think piss would be the right word because there were things we can do um, to win that, win this game. Um, we're motivated for the next game. You know, no one says it's going to be easy. 
easy. You know, at the end of the day, they came back from three run credit to them, but no one's no one's down. Uh, we're ready to go. If we got to play against them right now, I think all of us be ready. So, um, it's locked and ready to go. Okay, next, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Don, coach was talking about defensive discipline tonight. What do you think about those little things that came into play tonight, the hustle plays, the second chance points, and how big of a role they were? Um, you know, you get them off the uh, offensive rebound threes, just extra possessions. You can't have that in the playoffs. And they kind of fell away from what we've been doing a great job of, which is, you know, boxing out, getting hits, picking up the way we've been picking up. And, you know, I'm not here to, to, to get on any of our defenders, Royce, Joe, and, and, and Rudy for the main part. They've been doing a hell of a job, man. And like I said, Jamal's been playing out of his mind. Yoke has just been playing great. We just got to find a way to execute. We did it three times. We can do it a fourth. And um, that's just going to be the message going in. You know, it's, we can watch all the film we want. We've done the same thing um, six games, both sides. I don't think there's going to be much film to watch except for what we can be more aggressive. And um, that's really it. We, the, the more aggressive team and the more locked in team on the details are going to be the one that won the series. And that's really where it's at. Next up, Brian Mahoney, AP. Hey, Don, as, as much as obviously you would like to have won this game, can you see for, from a fan standpoint the way you and Jamal are playing that this kind of seems like a game seven is the way it should be decided? No. Um, to be honest with you, if it wasn't for a few things, we, we could have had last game in the game before. You know, obviously, it's this, it's, it's, it's as a fan, you know, you won game seven. We didn't want that, you know, and that's what makes us, that's why we're pretty upset because at the end of the day, we had things and we had things in our control and we let it slip. So now it's on us to go back out there and, and, and do our thing. Um, we, we felt like we could have had this had this series, but they, they fought. They didn't want to go home. And now we got to play. We don't want to go home, you know, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing. But as a fan perspective, I, I see it and I respect but I can't tell you as a player that I want to play game seven you know, if we're up 3-1. Like, I don't think anybody wants to do that, but we're here. So play the card, that, play the hand that you're dealt with, and we're going to go out there and execute and do what we got to do. Okay, uh, we have one last question. KSL Sports, Ben Anderson. Donovan, what's your level of frustration? There's just not a whole lot more you can do. You're putting up, you know, 40-plus seemingly every game. What, what's that feeling like? I can do more. Um, there are several possessions, you know, whether it's a box out. You know, it may not show up on the statue, but there are things I can do. Uh, being shifted, uh, discouraging the drive, uh, bad pass reading in the fourth quarter uh, at the end, uh, bad pass in the first half, um, bad pass in transition when Mason Pumley came and get a steal. There's so many things that I can do to improve. Yes, you know, I had 40, but whatever we lost. So the same thing we had when I had 57. You know, at the end of the day, there's things that I can do, little things on both ends of the floor that help us get through. And if we all lock in and focus on the little things, we're going to Thanks, Donovan. There's Donovan. Uh, not happy. 44 points, uh, 14 to 25 shooting. Obviously, he had a great game, uh, but not happy. He thought this one was winnable just like game number five and said he, even he can do more, which I thought uh, certainly stood out. Let's now let you hear from Rudy Gobert. All right, Rudy, we're going to start with uh, Ryan McDonald, Deseret News. Rudy, what happened tonight, uh, especially offensively, where it seemed like Donovan was really the only one who – who kind of was able to, to get anything going for the most part tonight? Uh, I think they did a great job disrupting us. You know, the ball was really moving in uh, the first quarter and we were playing really well. And, uh, 
maybe they made some adjustment. Maybe it's, it's us, but we, we kind of stopped moving in the same way we were moving in the first quarter. And, you know, it made, it made everything harder on us. You know, and we got to find out. I, I really think that our offense affected our defense. And uh, we have to find a way to uh, play through their defense and be able to keep moving the ball uh, for 48 minutes. Uh, next is Chris and Kenny, Jazz TV. Rudy, what role did the little things play today, the hustle plays, the second chance points? We played all. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, I really think they have, they had, when, I don't know the, the numbers, but I feel like they have more points in transition than they had in the previous games. And uh, like I said, you know, we our offense was a little more stagnant. And, uh, you know, I really think that when we played that way offensively, it's harder for us to, for some weird reason, it's harder for us to get connected uh, defensively. And, you know, when those guys get going uh, with easy, easy transition baskets, uh, they become they become even harder to guard, and you know the, those buckets get get the confidence up. Next, we'll go uh, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Rudy. So Donovan just mentioned that the team right now is pissed that the series is going to a game seven because you guys feel like you could have closed it out in game five. How would you describe kind of the? the mentality uh, as you head into a winner-take-all game, given given the way these last two games have gone? I mean, we had, uh, you know, of course, we had two opportunities to close it out. We, 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 we lost two games, uh, but it's, it's a new game. You know, every game is a, every day is a new opportunity to, to accomplish something. And, uh, you know, we, I mean, we kind of, we kind of the underdog from the from the start. So, if you would have told us that we we we, had, we were going to have an opportunity to have a game seven, uh, we take it. You know, so let's 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 take let's flush this game out, uh, try to learn from the mistakes, and uh, you know be ready to play a, a game seven. Uh, we'll go Ryan Miller, KSL.com. Rudy, it looked like in that second half you guys went away from the pick and roll, especially with you setting those picks. Was that something they were doing to take that away, or is that the game plan for you guys? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't, you know, we have different people calling the calling the plays and stuff. So I'm just trying. I'm just trying to be where I'm supposed to be, and uh, and uh, you know, that's the way we play. Like I think we, you know, we we had success. Uh, you know, doing a lot of multiple things, uh, whether it's small, small pick and roll, whether it's having me pick and roll, as long as the ball is moving. And we have to find a way to, regardless of if it's me setting the screen or if it's somebody else, uh, the, the ball moves. And, uh, you know, guys like Rose, Joe, uh, Mike, uh, you know, can, 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 can get it going. And, uh, and we can, you know, I feel like when we play that way, it's, it's so hard to get And we've done it. You know, we've done it and we've had a lot of success. Doing it. So they tried to disrupt that and they did a great job tonight, but we're going to watch film and try to come back and, you know, and be better. And Rudy, our last question is from uh, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, we saw you kick that chair during one of the timeouts. What, what was the cause of the frustration there? I mean, I'm a competitor, so sometimes, you know, you, you get frustrated. Uh, it's probably not the first chair that I kicked. And, Hopefully the last, but uh, I have a guess that it probably won't be the last. You know, so uh, I have to keep my emotions, but sometimes you know you gotta let it out. It happens. All right, Rudy. Thanks for your time.
That was Rudy Gobert, 11 points, 11 rebounds. He had a block, a steal, and an assist, but not enough as the Jazz fall to the Denver Nuggets in the bubble in Orlando, 119-107. to Game 7 coming your way tomorrow night. Uh, the game will tip off at 6.30. Pre-game coverage begins at 5.30. There is the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.